Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We've talked about the fact that uh, I think I can say without any doubt that relationships have the most impact in our life over everything else. Uh, you can have a bad uh, work situation and still make it through life, but if you have a bad relationship situation, it can devastate you. And so we talked about the fact that people tend to categorize us. They, they put us in one of two categories. They, they say if you, if you are in a relationship, they say you have a knot. Uh, you're knotted. I, I should have, if I'd have been smart, I would have done a t-shirt that said, I, I'm knotty. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm, I'm late to the game, I guess. I don't know. But some of you have knots, and we've talked about that. Then there are those of you that are not attached in relationship, and they, they would say, you're a have-not, or you don't have a knot. And, and so we categorize one another by our relationship status more than anything else. And, and we've discovered that relationships can be a great blessing in your life, but they can also be a curse if it's not the kind of relationship that you need. And so from week one, we begin to talk about some things. I'm going to bring you up to speed very quickly. Number one, we said that God must get involved early in your selection process. Otherwise, if you don't allow God to get involved early, then what happens is that you've got to work backwards and you begin to ask God to perfect what he did not select. And that doesn't work very often, doesn't work very good, and you get yourself in trouble. We said that if you want to have a garden experience, you can't bring somebody from outside the garden out of the swamp into your garden and expect them to have the behavior and the attitudes of somebody that you met in the garden. Yeah, you can't find them in the club and then expect them to act like you found them at church. It never works. It, 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 it just doesn't work that way. And so because the reason is, is that good seed doesn't turn bad soil good. And soil has the tendency to influence the seed more than the seed influencing the soil. I'm already preaching this morning. I already preached that one, so I'm going to have to move on. See, you need to know who you are. You shouldn't mess with somebody that doesn't know who they are. Because if they don't know who they are, they will steal and drain the purpose that you know about you out of you you got to know who you are and then we talked in week two about those that uh that that already have a knot we said that what wins keeps we work real hard while we're dating and we win someone it's valentine's weekend i hope y'all been working hard this week uh, what wins keeps what you did to win the person you got to continue to do to keep the person because here's the here's the truth marriage is work I got one I got one honest guy and one honest lady in the house. Uh, marriage is work, period. The perfect marriages do happen, but they only happen through work. Uh, we think it's all flowers and roses and uh, intimate dinners, baloney. It is hard work to have a perfect marriage. And so you got to work at this thing. We said you need to uh, understand that there's a prescribed time frame to work. See, some of us only want to work for a week, and then if we don't see any results, we're out. I tried to get them to change their attitude last week, and it didn't work, so now I'm gone. I give up. No, the prescribed time frame is a lifetime. Till death do us part. So that means that if there's something in our relationship that I don't like, I can't just look at you and say, well, I'll give you three months. 
No, I'm, I, we're in this for the long haul. So over the prescribed period, over a lifetime, we're going to work this thing out. I'm in it to win it. I'm in it to the end. Then we said you should do your work early. We make preemptive strikes to protect ourselves when we should uh, instead make preemptive strikes to, to, to protect us. I can't just look out for me. I got to look out for us. And so I make the changes necessary because there are very few mountain climbers left. There are a lot of mountain viewers, but there are not very many mountain climbers. And so if you've got a mountain that you're facing, you've got to make sure that you get after it early. But in fact, you need to get to your mountain before it becomes a mountain. You need to deal with it when it's a molehill. Because once it turns into a mountain, it's probably too late. And so then uh, last week, and at least in the second service, here's the, the, the part that many of you missed. I talked to those that have no knots about this fact. If you are going to date, you must date for, da- for data. In other words, we do in, in dating what we should do in marriage. We experience the intimacy in dating that we should have waited to experience in marriage. And so when we get to marriage, we're bored. I couldn't get no help in second service either. So uh, then what we want to do is then we go behind that. And, and since we've done everything in dating that we should have done in marriage, then we, when we get married, we try to do in marriage what we should have done in dating, which is gathering data. And so what happens is, is now that we're married, I begin to gather data about you that I don't like. I should have discovered that while we were dating, but because I had my tongue down your throat and we wouldn't talk. See, I I was pretty blunt in second service, by the way, and I wasn't gathering data about who you are and about your integrity and about your character. I was just trying to figure out whether you could kiss good or not. Then I get married to you, and now I gather data like he doesn't put the stool seat down, and and they don't use the toothpaste the right way, and they don't pick up their clothes, and they, they only take a shower like once a week. And now I punish you for my lack of, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y'all weren't here. So, so, so during data or during dating, you just you gather data to discover: Are they a person of integrity? Are they a person of character? And and I've got to figure out whether or not I can, if they can handle my heart. I don't give my heart to them until I've handled their heart to discover who they really are. Because the Bible says that out of your heart flow the issues of life. And so during dating, you've got to discover whether or not you can handle their issues. Because we've all got issues and individual personal issues become corporate issues and so the issue that you fail to discover in dating will become an issue for you in your marriage if you don't deal with it before you get married see y'all quiet on me today see and I told you that that um, you you've got to be careful that that uh, before you tie a knot let me tell you who to figure out who to tie a knot with you cannot afford to tie a knot with somebody that keeps you in constant chaos I said it like this last week. Chaos is a curse. Anybody that keeps you tied up in knots emotionally, they cannot be a candidate for you because the Bible says very clearly that God is not the author of confusion. So if God is not the author of confusion and somebody keeps you tied up in knots emotionally before you get married, they cannot be a candidate because they're not from God. See, some of y'all don't like that because it just eliminated who you've been spending your time with. They, they, they love you one day and they don't love you the next. And they're manipulating you emotionally one day and you're up on the mountain and you're in the valley. And it's just supposed to be way that. No, it's not. That's not normal. You shouldn't constantly be fighting. You shouldn't constantly be in turmoil. And if you are, then they're not from God. And I tried to encourage you that while you're dating, you ought to wear protection. It's peace. 
The protection that God gives you is peace. The Bible declares that those that keep their mind stayed on Christ, He will keep them in perfect peace. So if somebody is causing chaos to come into your life, that means you're giving them more authority and more power and allowing them more position in your life than God Himself. Therefore, they are not a candidate. So if they break the peace, they're out. They're gone. Kick them to the curb. Can't, you can't hang out with them anymore. So let's finish this. Okay, I'm going to get out of your way because you, you ain't like some of this. So, so on Valentine's weekend, I want to summarize this whole thing in this message right here. And I'm going to jack with some of you today because of where I'm going to read from. It's going to be totally different. You're going to think I'm two months late. All right, so join me, if you will, as we talk about not keeping. And, and as we read out of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Here you go. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I know it's not December. I get it. Uh, but I would like to draw your attention to this passage of Scripture again because uh, we, we, we don't always or seldom, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody really deal with this passage of Scripture when dealing with relationships, but this, this account that we know so well in December has uh, implications for us and a lot of subtle truths about relationships that we need to know. So maybe we need to look at this again. You know the story? But I want you to stop and think about it again. An angel shows up to a virgin, a, a teenage girl who is a virgin, and says, you are going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And incredibly, this teenage virgin girl is mature spiritually enough to say, be it unto me. Okay, I, I can't comprehend. I can't comprehend that. That's pretty amazing. But, but, but then... Uh, Joseph, is, his experience as a man, although we don't talk about it very often, is equally amazing. Because now what happens is uh, uh, your fiancé shows up and says to you, I'm pregnant, and you're not the father. I can't get no help on, in here on this Sunday morning. No, 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 don't, 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 get, don't get it twisted because uh, we get a small glimpse into what Joseph was really thinking and feeling in the emotional stat state of his life when Matthew gives us this glimpse uh, that Joseph decides to divorce her quietly to save her from disgrace. We're going to come back to that in a moment. But, but then, you know, the rest of the story, after a dream, the Bible says that Joseph woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. And so out of that, that situation... I. I need to talk to you about relationships. See, you need to read the account carefully. We relegate this to just a Christmas story. 
we become so familiar with this passage that what we do is we sanitize it and we begin to read it as if the characters are robots. That they have no choice in the matter. That they have no response. That they have no emotions. That they have no feelings. And so we've read it so often, at least once a year, that we never recognize what's going on. So you need to reread and understand that out of this situation, Joseph was in fact hurt. Let me, let me see if I can help you from a man's perspective. We're engaged, and my virgin, clean fiancé, who I've probably, at least in this particular culture, been betrothed to or engaged to for a long time, we sit down over an intimate dinner, and she announces to me that she is pregnant, and then to top it all off, she says, the reason I'm pregnant is because of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what a man would normally say. He'd say, you tell me who this Holy Spirit is, and I'm going to go meet up with him, and we're going to have a little come to Jesus talk. Yeah. So, so, so now, here you are, Mary, and I'm supposed to keep you around? No, no, stay with me now. You're my fiancé, but now you've been unfaithful to me. And you were clean, but now you're not. You are now leftovers, used up. I can't get no help in here. Y'all too holy to act like that. But, but I'm telling you right now, Joseph had feelings. This account teaches us a couple things about feelings. I want to tell you that if you are not careful, your feelings can cause not failure. Uh, let me say to you this morning that what we discover out of this passage is that Joseph trusted God more than he trusted his own feelings. Some of us are still, even to this day, even though we've been in a relationship with God all these years, some of us are still educated beyond our level of obedience. Because we know the steps that we need to take and we know the things that we need to do and we need to know the, we know the efforts that would keep our marriage, our relationship strong and that would heal our broken heart. But, but we refuse to obey God because we trust our feelings more than we trust God. And our feelings have changed. Anybody ever have your feelings change? Don't, don't raise your hand up in here because you're sitting next to somebody else. Our feelings change. We, we, we read about, listen, our generation, you, us, I'm talking about us. We have read more books on relationships. We've listened to more podcasts and tapes and CDs about relationships. We've attended more conferences than you can shake a stick at. And the truth is, is that we continue to refuse to forgive. We continue to refuse to go the extra mile. We continue to, to refuse to handle carefully. We refuse to speak softly simply because we trust and obey our feelings more than we trust or obey God. We follow our feelings. I want you to hear me very carefully this morning. It is absolutely okay for you to be emotional. God gave you your emotions. And so if you're feeling, that means you're alive. But I want you to understand, you cannot live emotionally and you certainly cannot trust your emotions because your emotions will lead you astray and your emotions will lead you into pain. Some of you are allowing your emotions to take you places that God never intended for you to be in the first place. So now what you do is as you spend time in prayer, you begin to pray, God, heal my emotions. God, heal my emotions. God, heal my emotions. What you ought to be praying is, God, heal my obeyer. 
Because if I had obeyed you, my emotions would not be in the condition that they're in now. I'm hurt now because I didn't obey you in the beginning. And you told me what to do. And you've been telling me what not to do. And I, I refuse to do it because I don't feel like it. And it doesn't feel good. And so now I'm broken. Some of your emotions would have never been broken if you would have, he, if you would have obeyed. See, if you feel something, you're alive. I get that. It's just that you cannot let your feelings trump or override what God says. Let me say it a different way. Maybe you'll remember it like this. Feelings should be felt, but they should not be favored. You ought to feel what you're feeling. You're feeling it for a reason. But you cannot favor it over what God says. And for whatever reason, we, we, we have allowed feelings to become paramount in our society so that if it feels good, it must be right. And if it doesn't feel good, I'm out. And the problem with that is that Joseph teaches us it doesn't really matter what you feel when God says something. I can't get no help on that. The second thing we see is that Joseph cared enough that he did not want her disgraced. That's, what my, that's how Matthew says it. He doesn't want her to go through public disgrace. In other words, in spite of Joseph's, Joseph's hurt feelings, he cared more about Mary's feelings than his own. Oh, it's going to get tight in here now because we, we, don't, we don't like this one. See, I, I, I would say to you this morning something that I believe is true. Knots are failing simply because we have lost a necessary ability and we have failed to make a choice that is crucial for knots to be sustained. Here it is. Here's the part you're not going to like. We no longer prefer preferring. See, Joseph preferred Mary's reputation over his own. Think about what his best buds were saying about him. Y'all think about it now. Quit reading it like a Christmas story and read it like your next door neighbor. Your next door neighbor comes over and is a great guy and he, and he says, hey, you remember that wedding announcement I sent you? We're still getting married, but I just need to tell you, my wife is, my, my, my fiance is pregnant and it ain't mine. You think about what your opinion of him would, he's stupid. And yet he preferred her reputation over his own. I knew it was going to get quiet on this part. He preferred her future over his own future. See, I would say to you this morning that knots are failing because we don't prefer anyone else over us. Uh, it has become about my preferences, my rights, my wants, my choices, my longings. So then this is what happens. If my preferences, my rights, my wants hurt you, then it's not my problem, it's your problem. Oh, don't get me wrong now. We prefer one another while we're dating. See, see those of you all that are dating, uh, let's see if this sounds familiar. Where do you want to go to eat, baby? Oh, I don't care wherever you want to go. I mean, we got guys dating right now uh, that, that are dating a, a young lady, and they will sit on the couch with her and watch, like, home and garden TV 24 hours a day and never say a word. They're missing every ball game, missing everything while you're dating. 
And then you tie the knot, and all of a sudden, preference goes out the window. And now it's not like that. In, you see, now it's more like uh, there's no shared TV remote. Ouch, got on my own toes. There's no negotiating schedules. There's no allowances for mistakes. There's no grace. There's no covering. It's my way or the highway. We no longer preference, give them preference on anything because you're here to meet my needs, and that's it. See, you need to understand this morning that preference is about covering. I prefer you, so I cover you. Joseph covered Mary. Covering is like an umbrella. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be any rain. It just means that when the rain comes, I'm not going to let you get wet. Y'all, y'all missed that. Y'all were asleep during that point. See, some of you, if you would prefer the person that you're with, when the attacks come against them, you're there to cover them so that even though the attacks are coming, they don't get hit with the attack. You step in and take the blows for them. Joseph literally stepped in and took the blows on Mary's behalf. We want to uncover. Joseph wanted to cover. We must learn to prefer one another again. He was able to fight through his feelings because the Bible says that Joseph was faithful to the law. Doesn't say he was faithful to love. Y'all miss that? I'm, I'm on. Our society, for whatever reason, we have made God love. Love is God. It's all about love. So if I don't love you anymore, I can exit. For $245. In fact, I got a Groupon this week. It's probably like 180. Because I don't love you. I don't love you anymore. But Joseph was committed to the law. So, so what I would say to you this morning, catch this carefully. Joseph had issue with Mary's pregnancy, but he had an affection not for Mary, but for God. That was good. See, what kept Joseph connected to Mary was not his affection for Mary. What kept Joseph connected to Mary was his, his undying tie and affection to God. See, you've got to come to this place in your life and in your relationship where you love God enough that when your partner does something that you don't like, you stay in place because you love God. It doesn't have any, anything to do whether I love you or not. I'm here and I refuse to leave, not because I love you, but I was called here and this thing was ordained by God and and God joined this thing together. And although my affection for you right now has dipped down to an all-time low, doesn't really matter because my affection for God is constant and consistent and I'm faithful to Him. And therefore, I must also be faithful to you. You must have an affection for something greater than your spouse so that when your partner does something that makes you want to leave, and they will. I know some of you got all like the goo-goo eyes right now. And, ooh, we're about to get married. We love every. I love everything about you, baby. You just keep on dreaming. I hate, I mean, do so, y'all don't want me to do your wedding counseling, do you? Uh, I'm going to set you down and say there's going to be days you're not going to like each other very much. That has nothing to do with whether or not you should stay with them or not. If God puts you together, then my affection for God demands from me that I stay even when I don't like you. I just helped you 
stay out of divorce court. We stay with one another, yes, because we love one another. But let me tell you, there are moments when you stay with one another, not out of faithfulness to them, out of faithfulness to God. The, the second thing I, I want to point out to you this morning that I, that I really sense is a word from the Lord, I've never looked at it like this before, is that I've discovered this, that revelation will prevent raveling. Let me see if I can explain what we miss in this account is uh, we, we, we're, we, we get this part, we're, we're, we're aware of the fact that Mary has a God encounter. But we have missed the fact that Joseph has a God encounter. I mean, I mean, it's easy to understand. Mary had a God encounter. I mean, good grief, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That is a God encounter. But because we've elevated that aspect of the account, we have failed to recognize that Joseph also had a God encounter. Let me see if I can say it like this. I believe this is the word from the Lord right here. Mary was impregnated with a redeemer. But Joseph was impregnated with revelation. I'm going to shout myself down. I about, I, about, I about hurt myself when I came over that. Mary was impregnated with a redeemer, but Joseph was impregnated with a revelation. It was this revelation that Joseph had that kept the knot from unraveling because Matthew says that Joseph was going to divorce her. But he stopped because he got a revelation from God about what was in her. See, some of you are struggling to keep your knot tied because you only have your revelation about your spouse. Or worse yet, you only have your mom's revelation about your spouse. So. You, you, you only have your best friend's revelation of your spouse. And so, since you have no revelation from, from God about your spouse, then your knot begins to unravel. But Joseph got a revelation from God about Mary and about the baby that was in Mary. And so, so now the knot is secure because he sees what's in her is from God. See, some of you prayed before you tied your knot and you said some things like this. God, if they're the one, then would you show me about them? And God reveals, man, they're, they're all this and all that. And, and you tie the knot. Now they are doing things that you don't like. And you fail to go back and consult the revelation that God gave you to about them to begin with. And because you've lost your revelation about what God said about them to begin with, now you want your not to come apart because you don't like them anymore. What is in them is from the Holy Spirit. But here's the truth. You may be the key that opens the door to allow for the birth of the miracle that is inside them. Do you recognize that if, if Mary had not been nodded to Joseph, the truth is, is that she would have probably been pulled out into public and stoned because she was pregnant out of wedlock. But because Joseph got a revelation from God about Mary, he stepped in and he covered her. Some of you get a, need to get a fresh revelation or just remember the revelation. I know they were cuter back then. And I know that they had more like shape back then. Well, rounds of shape, but but uh, they 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 were put together better back then. And you've lost your revelation because of what you see on the outside, and you don't understand. You never see past the physical to remember what God showed you to begin with. And so what happens is this: some of us beat 
and berate the life out of our spouse because we have no revelation that what is being birthed in them is literally from God. So now you're married and they, you thought they were going one way and pursuing one career and headed in one direction and now all of a sudden out of nowhere they want to go back to school they want to switch directions. They, they want to start becoming a different person. And you never get a revelation that this might just be a part of their God-ordained destiny. So now you are fighting. In fact, you are literally trying to abort what God is birthing in them. And if you are not careful, you will kill the destiny that resides inside your spouse simply because you have no revelation. Oh, you're too old to go back to school. You're putting our dreams at risk. You aren't home enough. And in the process, we put the baby that God has birthed in them at risk. You need to get somewhere and ask God, is this from you? It's not an issue now of whether I like it or whether does this, does this make me comfortable or does this make me feel at ease. It probably won't because anytime you're birthing something from God, it, with it comes the pain of the birth. And some of you are killing what God has birthed in your spouse because you lost the revelation. I'm trying to help you this morning. I, uh, you got to come to the place where you come to grips with what God is saying about your spouse. And you say, you know what, God, I know you've ordained this. And because I know the baby is worth my nervousness and my uneasiness, I will just follow what you've said about them, whether I like it or not. And then finally, I just want to tell you this morning a, a couple things. Uh, uh, I want you to understand that shadows can cause slip knots. What I've discovered as I reread this account over and over again is that Joseph was comfortable in the shadow of his spouse. See, when you go over the account of Jesus' birth and, and, and then you go through his life and you go through his death, what you discover is, is that Mary is, an, is, is a constant. She's front and center all the time. But my question is, where's Joseph? There are literally maybe two accounts, two, two mentions of jo Joseph in the entire canopy of Jesus' life. But Mary seems to be showing up over and over and over again. And what we discover is this, is that God put Mary with someone who refused to let his ego get in the way of her purpose. I can't get no help. In See, before you tie the knot, you better make sure that the person you are considering marrying can do more than handle your emotions or your struggles. What you better do is make sure they can handle your destiny. Because it takes a strong man or a strong woman to walk in your shadow. <laughs> and if they can't handle your destiny, can I just fill you in what they'll do? They will do everything they can to delay your destiny, derail your destiny, and try to destroy your destiny for their own ego's sake. If you're with somebody that is constantly berating you and pulling you down and telling you who you're not, then the truth is, is that they're probably somebody that can't handle your shadow. So my question to you is simply this. What, what, what do you do when your spouse is asked to step onto a stage that you've never been elevated to? Like, what do you do when your wife is asked to lead worship at the biggest convention of your denomination and you think you're the best preacher in a long time? Ain't nobody asked you to preach a night service ever. What in the world? You know what you do? You enjoy the shade. That's what you do. It's part of her destiny. 
How am I going to fight that? Y'all ain't helping this, 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 this ego bruised. <laughs> if, if your ego and your pride and your self-esteem is so fragile that you cannot handle your spouse's shadow, then you will fight to get out of the shadow. And here's the truth. You will almost always have to wound the person in order to do it. See, some of you are having problems in your relationship because you both want the limelight. That's why when we get into conversations with you, neither one of you will shut up. It's like you talk over one another. Not because you're completing each other's sentences, it's because you want the last word. Oh, shoot. I stepped in that one, didn't I? That wasn't even in my notes, and I just wandered right into that one. You're fighting for the attention because you can't handle your spouse's shadow. And when they walk in the room, they light up the room, and that bothers you. Because you want to be. Listen. You need to grow comfortable in your spouse's shadow. Or if you're not married yet, you need to find somebody that can handle your destiny and recognize that it may take you places that they're never going to get to go, but they're going to be asked to come along for the ride, but they're going to be in the background. There's a song my, my uh, sons like to listen to on the radio. It's, I can play the background. Some of y'all just need to learn how to play the background. You don't have to get the last word. You don't have to berate your spouse so that you feel like you're the man. No, I will hide in your shadow and recognize that God has placed me with you. You are a God sin. So if you are a God sin, then I must rest in the fact that if you have a destiny and I help you get to your destiny, God always makes happen for you what you make happen for somebody else. And you will never get to your destiny by tearing down your spouse's destiny. Joseph was comfortable in Mary's shadow. And so this morning, I would just simply like to do this. I would like to challenge you again to learn to override your feelings and become affectionate for God again. I would like to challenge you to pray once again and get a revelation about the person that you're spending your time with because there will come a time where you're going to need to reflect back on that revelation because there's going to ha something's going to take place that you're not going to like and you're going to want to run for the hills and you're going to think God didn't put me together. You need to go back and get a clear revelation about what God says about them. And then you need to become comfortable with your spouse's shadow. Would you stand with me this morning? May I make a statement to you and you not be offended? I hope, if you hadn't been offended yet. I am tired of knots coming apart. We have watched knot after knot after knot fall apart, and I'm not happy about it. So this whole series has been for this one purpose. If you don't have a knot, find the right person the first time so that you don't have to try again. Or if you've already been through a, a breakup 
that you go into a new relationship with your eyes open and you make the right choices so that you don't have to endure the pain we watched you go through the first time. And then secondly, it's for those of us that have a knot that you would begin to cherish the knot you have and recognize and make the right choices so that you don't destroy something that God put together. What did God say to you about your spouse? Some of y'all got to think way back. Seriously now, some of y'all been married for like a long time. And I know they've changed and they continue to change. What did God say? What did he say was in them? I can't be offended if you're becoming what God said you would become from the beginning. And now, because I couldn't see the finished product, I will allow the Holy Spirit to birth in you. Even if it makes me uncomfortable. Even if it makes me nervous. And I refuse to allow my feelings to become my God. I feel them. But I don't favor them. Father, this morning, I'm asking for an intervention. I'm asking you to intervene in the lives of those that have not yet tied a knot. Or perhaps they tied a knot in the past and that knot is broken and now they're longing for a new knot. I pray that this series that we've gone through would allow these folks to open their eyes and rightfully discern and even a word we don't like anymore, rightfully judge. so that we make the right choices because our destiny is at stake. I pray that you would help them to choose the right people from the right places. I pray that you would help them to find their completion in you. I pray that you protect their hearts. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those that are married. God, I pray that in this moment you would remind them of what you said to them when they first started. And I pray that even if feelings have changed, I pray this morning that you would allow us to develop an affection for something greater than our feelings. I pray that our affections for you, O Lord, would get us back into the hard work of securing or not. God, I pray that in Jesus' name right now, a clear revelation of who our spouse is from you. I don't really care what my best friend says about my spouse. I don't really care about what my aunts, my uncles, my my moms, my dads, my... I don't care. I pray that we would get a very clear word from you about our spouse. And then I pray that when we get that word, we would follow suit of what Joseph did. I pray that we would do what you command us to do. And then I pray that you would birth out of that the destiny that is in them. God, I pray for anyone that's struggling to live in the shadow of their spouse. I pray that they would grow comfortable in the shade 
they recognize that as they stand in support, you'll make happen for them as well. I pray this in Jesus' name. This is how I want us to do this this morning. I really struggled with this because I I don't like the fact that we categorize people, but the truth is we do, whether we would admit it or be honest about it or not, we do. So this is not categorizing as one as better than the other. In fact, if you read Scripture, it may be that we've got the scale tilted the wrong way. If you're here this morning and you do not have a knot, you're not married. Now, if you're engaged, that's a different story. You just stay put. But if you do not have a knot, you're dating, but you, you're not married, I want you quickly to come and stand right here in the front with me. Facing me, if you will. See, y'all scared. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Come on, step up here because I'm going to get some folks behind you, if you will. Now, those of you that um, we would categorize as knotted, you're engaged or you're married, would you step and just fill in behind them? This is for everybody. So would you just step out, get behind this crowd right here? Those of you that are standing behind, would you just reach out and lay your hands? These folks that came down first are fighting a battle because our society would say they're less than. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Nobody can complete you except Jesus. You need to grow comfortable in that this morning. If you don't grow comfortable in that, you will make a mistake. And I don't want to see you hurt. So let's pray for them that they would make the right choices, whatever that is. It may not, it may mean staying untied all their life. That's fine. That's what God says. Father, this morning I pray for this group of people. God, we elevate them in our own eyes. They're not less than. I pray this morning, Jesus, that you would do a work deep in their spirit and you would complete them. They would quit looking for completion if they are in somebody else. They would recognize that they stand complete in you right now. And God, I pray for them that they would make the right decisions and choices. God, I don't want to see one of these individuals with a broken heart. I don't want to see them hurt. And so, God, if it's in your will that they find a relationship, then, God, I pray that you would handpick, hand-select, ordain. And I pray that you give them the wisdom to understand who that is. Protect them, I pray. 
in Jesus' name. Protect them, I pray. Protect their heart. Protect their mind. Protect their spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name. Now, would you, those of you that came down first, would you just turn real quick and lay hands on those behind you? Father, we pray for these that are nodded. God, I ask that you would make their relationship stronger than it's ever been. In spite of feelings, God, we may be praying for somebody right now that is contemplating walking away. I pray that you would speak to them right now and give them a clear revelation about their spouse. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would tighten their knot and strengthen their knot. God, we don't want to see another knot broken in this house. God, we're tired of that. We don't want to see that. God, we pray that you would protect their hearts. I pray that the affection that they have for for each other would be great, but I pray that their affection for you would be even greater. They would stay when their feelings say leave. God, if there's a broken person that I'm praying for right now that doesn't feel like they can stay another day, I pray that in the name of Jesus, their spouse would recognize that there's destiny in them and they would handle them with care and they would nurture them and they would nourish them again and their emotions would come back to life as they obey you. God, we don't want to be educated beyond our level of obedience. I pray that we would do the things necessary to make our not healthy. God, let us forgive. Let us handle with care. Let us speak softly. Let us let us prefer. Again, I pray. In Jesus' name. And Father, we pray corporately together that you would knit our hearts together as family and we would be knotted to one another. Your word declares that we're a body. I pray that you would knot our hearts together and we would love one another and look out for one another and prefer one another so that we can go forward in health. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you love on one another just a moment before Pastor Woody comes to close us out this morning? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.